precedes the miraculous. In fact, um, I don't know. I think I've got it uh, on the screen there. If we can, Ken, if you could put that up there, if I have it, I may not even have it in the script. You never know. Uh, but if, if we can get that up there, if it is there. I, and the reason I say that, the reason that statement right there is so significant, obedience precedes the miraculous. Um, number one is because we've never done this before. Never before in the history of Stuttgart Harvest Church, have we ever told you guys the bottom line statement with the very first statement? We've never done that before. So like, you know, appropriately so on the very last Sunday of 2023, we're going to do it. Um, obedience precedes the miraculous. But the reason that we wanted to put that up there right off the top is because um, I want everybody to hear that. I really, really want everybody to hear that and to kind of let that statement permeate what we're going to be talking about for about the next 30 minutes or so. Um, before your mind begins the process of wandering, to, wandering, I should say, to the New Year's resolutions that you're going to make, not tomorrow, because, you know, tomorrow's still Christmas it's the second. That's really when New Year's resolutions take off, right? So before your mind begins wandering to the New Year's resolutions you're going to make on the second of January, and before um, your, you know, the text message that you get right off the top kind of, you know, gets your attention and you start thinking about that, before your stomach begins telling you that you need calories uh, and that it's time for time for food, time for lunch, and before the dark theater that we're sitting in and these very, very comfortable theater-style seats that you are currently sitting in are going to make you fall asleep, which by the way happens, and I probably know it when it happens because some of y'all snore, um, and so before any of those things happen, okay, I really, really want that statement to be heard, and, and there it is, obedience precedes the miraculous, because today, if we think about it, probably more than any other day on the calendar year, today we're reminded that right around the corner, right, right around the corner, we have this brand new year that's waiting on us. We have this brand new year. We have this fresh start. Uh, we have these new opportunities that are coming up in 2024. And for some of you, for some of you, for some of us, that is exciting. That is an exciting thing uh, that is motivating to think about. For some of us here this morning, you absolutely cannot wait until 2024 because, man, so many different possibilities are coming up. Um, uh, a lot of potential that the next year brings. Some of you, you specifically know what that potential is right now. Some of you, um, you you've got, you know, in marriage, you're getting married in 2024. You've picked the date. You've got the dress. You've, you've, you've got the venue. And, and, and you know, hopefully, you've got the guy if you've done all of those things as well. So hopefully, you've got the guy or you've got the girl who you're going to be marrying. But you've got a marriage that's going to be coming up in 2024. And you are fired up about it. While some of you, you've got your first or your second or your third or who knows, you got a kid coming, you got a baby on the way. And for you, that, that's exciting. Or maybe it's your first grandchild or possibly maybe for you, you've got that big vacation, you know, that dream vacation that you've been saving for and you've been planning and it's circled on your calendar. It's highlighted. There's arrows pointing at it. That's the day we're going on the vacation. And for some of you, I, I know this particularly for one you know, I know for a fact for some of you, um, retirement is right around the corner. You know, retirement, it's right around the corner. You're looking at it and it's got some scary elements, but at the same time, you're excited. And so for you, 2024, thumbs up. You can't wait. But for others this morning, 
here watching online, um, you can't help but feel the sense of impending doom for 2024. Because today, maybe as much as any other day, but certainly like every other day, you're still hurting. You're still dealing with the same hurt. You're still dealing with the same pain. For some of us here this morning, 2023 ended a lot like 2022 did, you know? And, and, and if we're being honest, a whole lot like 2021 did. There's just not a lot change. Not a lot. It's different. Um, for some of us, tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up. It's just another year. It's just another day on the calendar. Because you're still living with the same hurt and the same pain and the same problems and the same issues. There's someone in your life that is still dealing with the same addiction. It's, it's, it's just happening and, and you know it and you know tomorrow's going to be just like today. Or maybe you yourself, you're dealing with the same addiction. Maybe no one even knows about it, but you are. Um, uh, you're, you're still trying to figure out how to cope with the same problems that you've been trying to cope with now for, for days, weeks, months, years, maybe decades. It's just, it's another day. Um, because, and, and we all know this, life can hurt, life does hurt, and life, life will hurt. Um, and, and so as a result, some of us this morning, maybe all of us, are hurting in some way. We're, we're struggling. And it's amazing to me when you think about hurt and pain and, and difficult things as though stress and despair and depression and all of those different things. It's amazing to me how it seems as though hurts routinely happen in the same places in our lives. Have you ever noticed that? How it seems as though hurts happen in the same places. Let me try to explain that better. Um, for some of us, it's relationally. For some of us here this morning, for some of you here this morning, you would say that the majority of your pain, your hurt, deals with relationships. It's, it's your relationships. It's your relationship with your kids. It's your relationship with your parents, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your, 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 your co-workers, your friends, whatever the case may be. But you are continually dealing with relational hurt. Some, it's not, it's not, it's not relational at all. For some others, it may be physical. You just are dealing with physical hurt. Your body just doesn't work right, you know? It's just not working like it should. Um, uh, it, it, there's illness, there's sickness, there's issues, there's problems, whatever the case may be. But again, it's, it's hurt. There's, there's a hurt there. There's a pain there that you're, you're dealing with. Some, it's financial. Some, it seems as though pain continually hurts financially. You know, it's just like not enough month at the end of the money kind of thing, or not enough money at the end of the month, however that that saying goes, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And, and so there's worry, there's anxiety, and there's hurt. And it just seems to always fall in that area. Some of us, some of us, it's not necessarily relationally. It's not physically. It's not financially. For some of us, it's really more spiritually. You hurt spiritually. Um, for some of us, you may be here very, this morning for the very, very, very first time. You may be, you're not here yet in person, but you're kind of checking us out online. You're like kind of peeking behind the curtain a little bit to kind of see if they really are weird or normal kind of want to check it out. Um, and, and so for some of us here this morning, uh, for the very first time, you're trying to dip your toes into the church waters again because the last time hurt, you know, and the time before that hurt. And, and you really don't want to get hurt again. You're afraid it's going to be same, you know, new church, different, uh, different church, same story. And so you're scared. Or, or some of us here this morning watching online, you may be getting ready to walk away from faith completely. You may be ready to say, I, I'm not interested in it anymore. It hasn't worked out the way that I thought it would. The people, uh, they're mean. Christians are very, very mean. And I don't know why I want to be around people like that. And so for you, um, 
spiritually, you just may be ready to step away because you don't want to hurt. Not again. Not again. It's on and off and off and on, sometimes for long periods of time, because you know this, I know this, life hurts. It does. And it seems as though life routinely hurts in similar places. Um, so if that's you at all, you know, if you, if you were sitting there, and some of you, maybe not. Some of you are like, eh, that's not me at all. And that's okay. Uh, we don't, we're not all the same. We don't have the same story. But if you were sitting there watching us online, and, and you would have to be honest and say, yeah, I kind of feel that. I, I, yeah, I, I get that. I get where he's coming from. Um, I, I can relate to that personally, me personally. Um, I just want to ask a question to everyone in the room, everyone watching online, um, and, and it, it, it's right there on your screen. Where is it that your life continues to hurt? Where is it? Where, where would you say you tend to have the most problems, the most pain, the most issue? Um, in fact, for some of us this morning, some of you in here this morning, immediately, you knew when that question popped up on the screen, it was like, I got it. I know. I can right now. Um, you wanted to shout it out. If you were watching us online and you were by yourself, you did shout it out, didn't you? You did. You, 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 you knew immediately. I mean, now, we may be scared of the answer to the question. We may try to avoid the answer to the question. We might even try to make excuses for the answer, and we may be ashamed of the answer. But we know. We know. Um, and while each of our answers to that question are very unique, they're very personal, they are yours, Mine are mine, yours are yours. You know, we talk about that all the time. Our stories are different. Um, I promise you there are a lot of consistencies within our stories. They may be different, but there are consistencies within each story. So again, I just want to ask the question, where is it that your life is continuing to hurt over and over again, year after year, in spite of resolution after resolution after resolution? I'm, I'm actually going to give you a minute to lock in your answer. Just go ahead, lock it in. I'm going to give you a second. The awkward moments here. Well, you know, he needs to be talking and he's not. Y'all got it? Everybody good? Watching? We're, we're good? Obedience often precedes the miraculous. Bottom line, obedience often precedes the miraculous. Um, some of you kind of pushed back on that right there. And that's okay. Just stay with me. Don't, don't give up on me just yet. Circumstance, hurt. Pain, problems, circumstance, disappointment, depression, despair. We could go all through the gauntlet. They have existed since the fall. It's not, it's not new. It's, it's, not, it's not revolutionary to our generation. It is not unique to our time and our age. It's always existed since the fall. It's been common. It's normal. It's human, right? Hurt, pain. Throughout Scripture, think about it, just Scripture alone, throughout Scripture, we see countless of examples, countless examples of people who are hurting. Cain killed Abel. David, King David, the one who is described as the man after God's own heart, the one who his genealogy would be traced all the way to the Messiah. David had to run for his life to escape King Saul for a very long time. Knowing good and well that he was supposed to be the king and he had been anointed the king and yet he's still having to run. Elijah, if you know this story, Elijah from the Old Covenant, Elijah, he saw 
Fire come down from heaven. It consumed 400 people, 400 prophets of his enemies. And yet, Elijah is depressed to the point that he just wants to die. Pain, hurt. Jeremiah, distraught, taught and preached and prophesied for years. Nothing happened. No one listened. Nothing changed. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. The one who it was said of by Jesus himself, of people born of women, there is none greater than this guy. He's at the top of the list. John the Baptist spends months, maybe years, maybe years in prison. In fact, and you know this, much of Jesus' ministry revolves around what he does and the different miraculous signs that we've been talking about throughout December in the lives of people who are hurting. You know them by heart. Right? You know that Jesus healed the blind beggar. He healed the, the man with leprosy, the woman at the well, raised Lazarus from the dead. Talked about it a week ago. Raised Lazarus from the dead. And much like then, um, and, and, and much like what we're talking about today specifically, people 2,000 years ago, no different than today, looked for anything that would bring hope. Right? Anything they could find that would bring them just a, just a tiny bit of hope, a sliver of hope in the middle of despair and pain and, and, and circumstance. Writer John records one of the examples, the, the example we're talking about today. He records an example of something very similar to that happening where someone is dealing with so many problems and he's just looking for hope. Just a little bit. We find it in John chapter 5. John tells us that sometime later, so that would be sometime after what had transpired in chapter 4, sometime later, sometime later, Jesus goes to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now Jesus, he lives in Galilee, that's in the north, he comes through Samaria, gets to Judea, goes to Jerusalem, because he is a good Jewish boy, and he goes to the different feasts and festivals that are expected. So this, is, this happens several times that we have recorded. Um, and John tells us that they're in Jerusalem, and they're near the Sheep Gate. And near the Sheep Gate, there is a pool that in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and it's surrounded by five color-covered colonnades. Now, I hope these pictures come through, Ken. Um, I've actually got a picture of the Sheep Gate, and I hope it... There it is. Okay, good. I'm going to move over here. That, it's modern, obviously a modern-day picture. That's not a picture from 2,000 years ago. Thank you. Uh, but that is a picture of the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate was located in the northwest corner of what was the, not the ancient city of Jerusalem, but the newer city walls of Jerusalem at that time. Now it's actually in the interior walls of Jerusalem. But at that time, the Sheep Gate was on the northeast corner of the walls of Jerusalem. And John's very particular to tell us where this is at. And then... Um, Right outside of that gate, there's actually a pool. Do I have a picture of the pool there, Ken? There it is. It's okay, it's not a picture of the pool, but you see the circle? The sheep gate is just kind of to the bottom left of that circle, and that pool is the pool of Bethesda. That's where all of the events that we're going to read about this morning, that's where it all happens. Does this work? Cool! Right there. So that, that's the sheep gate. That's the that little dot. That's where the pool of Bethesda is located in Jerusalem today. Now, interesting point. Interesting point. There was a lot of argument as to where the pool was because they couldn't find it. It wasn't where it was supposed to be. Up until the 18th century, there was argument as to where it was, if it was. It was actually a, a big deal until finally in the 18th century, they found it 
right where it was supposed to be, to the north, uh, just outside of the sheep gate. Thank you. You can take, take those down. Thanks. Um, and so then John tells us that at that particular pool, outside of that particular gate, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. In fact, one, according to John, one had been laying there for, drumroll please, 38 years. 38 years. Now, look, I'm 40. I know. I don't look at But I am. I'm 40. I'll be 41 in May. It's like me laying there for all but two years of my life. This guy's been laying 38 years at that specific spot 2,000 years ago. Now, to give you some context, because that doesn't make sense. I, rightfully so. That makes no sense. Why would you do that? Context. There was a myth. There was a myth um, that was believed by many, many people 2,000 years ago that that particular pool, the one called Bethesda, outside of the Sheep Gate, covered the five colonnades, that it had healing properties. They believed it. Like, they believed it with everything that was in them. They believed it. It, got, it gave them hope. Because apparently, periodically, this pool would begin to bubble and churn and stir. We don't have any more. It might have been seismic. We don't know. It might have been some ge ge geologic activity. We, we don't know. But it did. Apparently, it, it, it moved. And, and so any time that that would happen, uh, basically, people that had all manner of afflictions, they would just lay there waiting to get in the water when the pool churned. And they believed with everything that was inside of them, they believed that they would be healed if they would just do that. They had faith. They had a lot of faith. See, these people actually lived for that myth. They lived for that myth that if they could just get in that water, they would be okay. Um, they, they spent their days waiting on it. And they believed it wholeheartedly. With conviction, they believed the wrong thing. And in the particular case of this one particular man told to us by John, he's been laying there waiting and hoping and believing for 38 years. So, back to that question. Where does your life hurt? Where, where's your circumstance? You know, what myth, belief inaccuracy, maybe has that pain and that hurt caused you to really grab onto. And, and that may sound very, very judgmental, so I want to I be careful the way I present that. Because you know this. You know this. You've experienced this. You've, if you haven't experienced it, you have watched other people experience it. When we are hurting, right, when we're in pain, when we're struggling, we are very vulnerable, Right? We're very vulnerable to believing just about anything that will give us what? Hope. Because hope, hope is very big business, right? Hope is a big business. Um, call this number. I mean, that, that doesn't as much apply today, but man, when I was a kid, you know, certain time of the day, certain channels, call this number. Do this, send that, and we will send you this. I'll never forget, there was one that will, if you'll send us money, we will send you this little vial of, of water. Right now, you're kind of in water, you know, and it'll heal you. Hope. Some of you right now, you're kind of like, well, dude, isn't that what y'all do? Right? I mean, uh, uh? I mean, aren't you kind of being a little hypocritical right now? I mean, hope. Isn't that kind of what y'all peddle every week? Hope's a big business. Send some money. If you'll do this, God's going to do that. Name it, claim it right? Hope. 
Here's some other things, though. I mean, I'll kind of on the other side of the spectrum. Pain and suffering makes us get to a point God doesn't care. He can't care because God would not allow bad things to happen to good people. You know, I mean, we've said that before. You may have said it before. You may have thought it. You've heard it for sure. God is cruel. I can't imagine a good God doing this. God's a myth as a result. He can't be real. I mean, look, hey, Jesus may have been real and Jesus may have lived, but let's be honest with you. The people that are following the following Jesus, they're mean. And so why would I want to be a part of that? So again, I just... We're just kind of laying a foundation here. What myth, possibly, what, what thing, maybe, has the pain you're dealing with made you believe? Because that's what it makes us vulnerable and hopes a big business. So anyway, back to, the, uh, back to the account. Jesus sees this guy lying there, and he learns that he's been, um, he's been this way for a long time, and, and he asks the man a question. He says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well. See, this man, Jesus is offering a chance for something different, right? Jesus is offering this man a chance for something different. Jesus is actually exhibiting something that in the old covenant would have been, been termino- termed like he is Jehovah Rapha. That was the terminology in Hebrew that just meant the Lord who heals. Jesus is saying, I am the Lord who heals. Do you want something different? Because I can handle that. Because I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm the one who heals. Jesus is actually offering this man a chance at a change in circumstance. That's what he's offering. Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. Do you want to be well? I will change your circumstance for you. And you know the story. We're going to go through it. But you know what happens. You know. There's there's no, no drum roll needed here. He is Jehovah Rapha. He heals him. It's a miracle. It's a sign. But for us today, 2023, almost 2024, Jesus is still Jehovah Rapha. He is still the one who heals. But this this idea of of healing is we've kind of gotten it just a little bit misunderstood. Um, Because, yes, Jesus can change our circumstance. He can. That's what he did for the man laying at this pool for 30 years. That circumstance completely changed it. He, He healed him. And that is exactly what we want God to do, right? I mean, we want God to change the circumstance. When when we pray, if you are normal, (laughs) by normal I mean like, you know, anything like me, because I think I'm kind of normal. But if you're like me, when we pray, we ask God, God, change the circumstance. Remove the problem. Heal me. And that's, hey, I'm not being critical. I'm not being judgmental. I'm the same way because he's Jehovah Rapha. He's the one who heals. Yes, we saw him do it. But God can also change the perspective. And that's a lot more difficult to take. It's it's a lot. We want a change in circumstance, but sometimes it's a change in perspective. But both are powerful. And if anyone has ever experienced what I'm trying to very clunkily unpack, you know what I'm talking about. It's a very powerful and life-changing thing when the perspective is altered, when it is changed. It's miraculous. It is miraculous as changing of the circumstance. When you can look at the circumstance and go, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. I see it. But remember, obedience precedes, often precedes the miraculous. 
So anyway, here we go. John chapter 5, verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied. He says, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the water is stirred. I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes in ahead of me. You know, I'm, I, that's what I've been living for. Of course I want to be healed. This man wants to be healed. This man has waited 38 years to be healed. This man is in need of a miracle desperately. He needs this. Then Jesus says to him, okay, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat. Walk. Get up. Man's cured. He gets up. He walks away. The man received the miracle. The man received the change in circumstance that he was looking for. He got it. He got it. So all of that kind of is context, kind of as a foundation. Um, for the next few minutes, for the next few minutes, I mean, about 10, I, I think I can do this in about 10, um, we're going to get really practical. We're probably going to get as practical as we have been in 2023. And we try to be practical. We try to be very, very practical in what we teach. We want it to not just be what you can believe. We want you to take the knowledge and we want you to be able to apply it into your life. Take steps with it. So for the next few minutes, we're going to get very, very practical. In fact, we're going to challenge one another. I'm going to challenge you, and you are kind of going to challenge me because you can't teach something unless you're going to yourself do it. It's just not the way it works. Yeah, you, you, It's challenging for me, too. We're going to challenge one another for the next few minutes. And I've got a question. What is it? What is it that God is telling you to do right now? What is it? What is it that God wants from you this year? I, I mean next year, but you know, what I'm, you know what I mean, 2024. What is it that God is telling you to do? What is it that he wants from you in 2024? See, I believe, and we teach this all the time, but I really, really believe it. I believe it so much that I'm willing to teach it, that every single one of us has a step to take. Every step is different. Your step is not my step. I believe we all have a step to take. So with context here, what step do you need to take beginning today? Maybe for you, maybe for you, it is the ultimate step. Maybe for you, for the very first time, you need to begin following Jesus. You've never done that. You need to cast your everything. You need to give him complete control. You need to surrender your life to his care and his control. You've never done that. You've got a lot of information. You've got a lot of knowledge. You might even know what you believe, but it's never compelled you to repent from your way and follow him no matter what. And if you've never done that, I can promise you that's your step. That's it. You need to take that step. Maybe that's you. Is that your step of obedience? Because remember, obedience precedes the miraculous, circumstance and perspective. Maybe for you, you're sitting there this morning, and for you, it's, it's, you've done that. You've taken care of that. You are a Christ follower. So maybe you, but you've never been baptized. You've never done that. You've surrendered, but you've never been baptized. So maybe that's your step. It's time for you to be baptized. Is that your step of obedience? Your next step of obedience. Maybe for you, it's, it's the small group thing that we've been talking about. We, we started with this morning. Maybe for you, you need to be a part of a small group. You've never been. You've never even signed up. If you've signed up, you've never shown up. Be a part of a small group. See, the small group's a really big part of who we are. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but it's legit. Normally, people that fall through the cracks here at Stuttgart Harvest Church is because you're not a part of a small group. We don't know. 
You need to, is that your next step? Is that the step of obedience? Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's serving. Maybe for you, your step of obedience is this. You're a Christ follower. You, you, are, a part, you are a part of this church. But you are still firmly planted in a high chair where the expectation is everybody's going to feed me. Feed me, give me, feed me, give me. Maybe for you, your next step of obedience that God is telling you to do in 2024 is to get out of this high chair, let somebody else get in the high chair, and now you turn around and you feed them. I don't know. I don't know. But I just, I just want to encourage you as we close 2023, looking to 2024, what is it that God is telling you to do? What's your next step? Which, let me be perfectly honest, kind of lighten the mood a little here. That was real churchy, wasn't it? I got a little churchy. Sorry. A little spiritual. Okay. Let's de-church it. Let's de-church it a little bit. Let's be very practical. What is God telling you to do? What's your next step? What is your step of obedience? Is God telling you to investigate foster care? Are you supposed to adopt? What's God telling you to do? Is he telling you it's time to change jobs? Maybe careers. I, again, I, I don't, I'm not telling you what is or isn't. That's, that's not me. But some of you right now, you, something just pinged. Something just pinged. Is that me? Is that you? Is that the spirit? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the next step of obedience for you is it is time to marry that girl, dude. It's time. It's time. Maybe for you it's, maybe it's, it, you know what? Maybe for you, your next step of obedience, maybe it's time to call her. It's just, that kind of, it's just time to call her and to just say, hey, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's just talk. Let's just see. Let's see if we can do this right next time. I don't know. I don't know what your next step of obedience is, but I know we all have one. Maybe it's time to homeschool the kids. Ooh. Oh, wait, wait. Maybe it's time to send them to public school. Ooh, don't say that in church. Maybe that's it. I don't know. What is your next step of obedience? Maybe it's the mission field. Local, state, national, international. All questions concerning your next step of obedience. That next step for you. Okay, so you may have noticed this morning, we did not give you any rocks when you came in. Did you notice that? Not unusual, I know. But, but did you notice? I just want to make sure everybody, no one has a rock, right? Okay, good, thank you. This next part's why. Um, what's God telling you to give up? What's God telling you to give up? What is God telling you to give up? Maybe because it's bad for you. Or maybe it's not necessarily that it's bad for you. It's just dominating your time. It's dominating your money. It's dominating your attention and your focus. And maybe God's saying, hey, this is something Beth and I say a lot in our house. We, we don't necessarily, we say not no forever, just not no for right now. You know, no for right now. Not necessarily forever, just right now. We just don't have time. We can't. No is a complete sentence, you know? What is God saying? Hey, hey, you need to step away from that. Maybe he just wants your priorities aligned. And I'm just going to go through a list here. I promise you when I went through this list, I wasn't thinking of anybody in particular. I promise you, okay? That's the reason you didn't get a rock when you came in, okay? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's spending a lot of Sundays at the golf course. You know, that would be one. That, I, I love golf. I really do. Terrible at it, but I like it. Maybe, maybe for you, it's the fact that, you know, there's 52 weeks out of the year and you're spending about 
48 of them at the ball field. Because, man, baseball ain't just a summer sport anymore, you know? Maybe it's that second job. Maybe it's the third job. Maybe it's, it's hanging out with your buddies every single night instead of being at home. Maybe it's ladies, maybe it's, the, it's all the girls' night stuff. And I, 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 I don't know. What is it that maybe God's saying, hey, I want you to step away? Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's tobacco. I, again, I'm not being, I'm just, that was just a list of things. All of our stories are different. Um, honestly, most of those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing scripturally wrong that makes any of those things necessarily an obvious sin. But if they're dominating your time, and if that's the thing that God is saying, hey, I, I want you to sacrifice that for me. Now, there are some things, though, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, if you've made the decision to surrender your life and said, I, I'm his, and that's, that's the end of it, there are some things pretty obvious in Scripture that 100%, no doubt about it, no question about it, if you're involved in those things, you need to give them up. And that probably is your step of obedience. Are you addicted to pornography? You need to let that go. Again, no rocks for a reason. Um, are you in a sexual relationship outside of anyone except for your spouse? You need to let that go. That's, that's, that's a step. Are you fantasizing about doing anything with anyone outside of your marriage? Anger, hate. We, we, again, we, we could spend the entire morning just kind of going through a list, and I know that. I don't know your story, and you don't know my story. But I do know this. If you are sick and you are tired, of every single year it's the same thing. You know? Same story, different chapter, same song, different verse. Obedience often precedes the miraculous, whether it's circumstantial or simply perspective. Before, think about it. Think about this. Before experiencing the miraculous, um, before seeing the incredible, God often in Scripture required obedience first. Think about it. God told Moses, you take off your sandals. No question. Take them off. God told Noah, Build a boat. Build a boat. You're going to see something, but you've got to build the boat first. You're going to experience something that is going to be mind-altering and something you will... In the world, no one will not know your story, man. But you've got to build the boat first. You may not know this story. I think... Do I have the references? Yeah, we got the references up there. This is in 2 Kings. God told Naaman through Elisha... Not Elijah, Elisha. You go and you dip in that water seven times. And then you're going to get your miracle. But you got to obey. He told the blind beggar, you got to go wash the mud off. Got to talk about what? Week two? Got to get the mud off. Obedience precedes the miraculous. Because, now this is back, this is back to John. Specifically, this is Jesus. Jesus said, Hey, my sheep, my sheep know my voice. They listen to me. I know them. And they follow me. And you can't 
follow. Not really without obedience. You can't have one without the other. You can't follow without the obedience. Obedience precedes the miraculous. So as we kind of get ready to embark on a brand new year, flush with possibilities, I just want to ask the question, what is it that we need to get up from? What is it that we need to walk toward? Or who is it or what is it that we need to walk away from? Because no matter what God chooses to do in your life, and we have example after example of both, well, no matter what God chooses to do in your life, whether he chooses to change your circumstance or remove your circumstance or simply change the way that you think about your circumstance, it is all miraculous. It's miraculous. And obedience precedes the miraculous. If the research is to be believed... Take that however you want to. If the research is to be believed, 50% of the people in this room watching online will make at least one New Year's resolution. One. Some of us will do more. Some of us will do none. But if the research is to believe, if there's 150 people in here, 75 people are going to make a New Year's resolution. And look, I'm not against New Year's resolutions. Not at all. I make them myself. I don't think, I think there's a lot more than just making the resolution. I think there's the more that goes into it. But hey, I'm all for it. If you want to make a New Year's resolution, go for it. All we're asking you to do as we close this calendar year, 2023, right on time and together right here, experiencing corporate worship as this body of believers known as Stuttgart Harvest Church, all we're asking is before you make that resolution, just ask yourself these questions. Number one, this is kind of our next step. Number one, what's God asking me to start? What's God asking me to start? What's he telling me to start? Some of you, you already know. You already know. Who is asking, uh, who is God asking me to help? Who's he asking me to help? Again, some of you, you already know. You know what you're supposed to do. Or what is he asking me to stop? Some of you know. And just be obedient to whatever the answer is. I don't know your story. But if 2023 ended an awful lot like it began, and, and if 2023 ended an awful lot like 2022 ended and began. And if you don't want to experience the same things in 2024, if you don't want to experience the same hurts in the same places with the same people, and the same, I, just, I just remember, obedience precedes the miraculous. So where do you need to be obedient starting today? And what we're going to do, we're going to close not only this rises it really, really well. Obedience precedes the miraculous. Obedience precedes the change in circumstance, perspective, the way you look at it. It, just, it changes everything. You can't follow without being obedient. Because like Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone that has surrendered their life to the Son has become a new person. Brand new. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. Hold on. I wouldn't even think about that statement. A sovereign creator God who you were created to have a relationship with because of your sin and your rebellion, you lost that. And God found a way to bring you back so that you could have a right standing with him. And he did it through 
Christ who said, the invitation, follow me. And you can't follow without obedience. Let's pray. God, we are not obedient by nature. I'm, I'm not. I don't think any of us are. But you were very, very clear in your scripture, the truth of your scripture. But God, I also believe that your spirit, it, it tells us what to do. We know what to do. Everybody here this morning, you know, we know. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what that step of obedience is. Some of us know it better than others, but God, I truly believe that if we will go to you and we will seek what it is that you want for us, that you will make it clear. And then time for us to be obedient. The son was obedient. The son was obedient. He didn't want to go to the cross. But he said, not my will, but yours. So as we close 2023, help us, Stuckhart Harvest Church, to be a church that says, not my will, but yours. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for what it all means. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.